0: And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify and some of the other platforms we broadcast on here at Sunshine USA. And it is um, (laughs) me, Warren Landis here, your host and Bible teacher on Sunshine USA. So glad to be with you. And I just noticed something phenomenal a while ago. Uh, It was cloudy and rainy just before I started the broadcast today, and then when it came time to turn on the radio mic and begin the program, out comes the sunshine. (laughs) And, And you know, that's what the Word of God does, isn't it? The Word of God brings us sunshine when the skies are dark, and we just praise the Lord for that. Well, today we're in the book of Acts still, and the book of Acts is such a Such an exciting book uh, to read. Uh, It's really in many ways a history book of the church. We see how the church got started and how the church did things in the early days. And there's a lot of lessons here for us as Christians today. And that's part of what makes the book of Acts so exciting. Now today we're going to begin with Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. Now, I don't know for sure whether or not we're going to finish this chapter today, but uh, we'll make a good stab at it anyway. (laughs) Acts chapter 12, starting with verse number one. It says, uh, Now, about that time Herod, the king, stretched forth his hands to, to vex certain of the church. In other words, here in verse one, King Herod had decided that he was going to uh, start persecuting certain members of the church. Uh, now, he doesn't have the strategy of persecuting everyone, but he figures if he could take the ringleaders and get rid of them, then he'll go a long ways towards getting rid of the church. Well, uh, nobody has ever succeeded in doing that, and nobody ever will. You know, as Jesus said himself, uh, I have established my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. People will try to stamp it out, but they can never succeed in doing so. But Herod, nonetheless, decides to persecute certain key believers. It says, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So (laughs) here we see Herod only talks about persecuting believers, he actually is involved in the persecution of believers. He takes um, one of the believers named James uh, brother of John and he kills him with a sword. Now, I imagine that put fear into the hearts of a lot of believers. Now you know In our society today, most of us, I say most of us, do not know what real persecution is. Most of us do not know what real persecution is. Uh, Sometimes somebody will tease us or mock us because we're a Christian, and we think that's persecution, but it's really not. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, uh, I had a lot of my fellow students that would tease me and ridicule me because I was a Christian and because I brought my Bible to school every day. And uh, they didn't like that, so they teased me. But that's not real persecution. I remember one time I I had a job where my supervisor was giving me a hard time because I was a Christian. Among other things, uh, he knew that I listened to Christian radio at my desk. And he he just made all kinds of fun of me and ridiculed me. But I found out through another co-worker that in reality, he didn't really despise the fact that I was a Christian. He admired the faith that I had in God. And he wished that he could believe in God the way that I believed in God. And that's why he was giving me such a hard time. So a lot of times we might think we're facing persecution, but we're really not. It might be more of an inconvenience than anything else, or maybe it just hurts our feelings, but it's not real persecution. But now, in the days of the first century church, they faced real persecution. I mean, people were killed because of their faith. Uh, People were cast into prison because of their faith. And so it was a dangerous thing back in those days to be a believer. And I've often wondered how I would react if that happened in our world today. Would I be willing to serve Jesus even if I knew I could be killed for it? Even if I knew I could spend the rest of my life in prison for it? Would I still be a believer? You know? And ultimately, one of the things that we find is that whenever the church goes through a time of persecution, it is also a time of strengthening. It is a time of strengthening. For example, in many communist countries, historically, they have tried really, really hard to get rid of the church and to no avail. What they didn't realize was that the underground church was as strong as ever. And part of what made the underground church so strong was the persecution that everyone was receiving. I heard a story one time and as far as I know this is a true story uh, about uh, some Russian soldiers. They uh, came to a wooded area and they found a small wooden building where some Christian believers were worshiping and they came in the door with their guns drawn and they had a real serious look on their face and they said, you know what? We're going to kill all the Christians who remain in this room starting in one minute. In other words, if you're in this room one minute from now We're going to kill you. Well, as you can imagine, most of the people in that room, they left. But not everybody. There was a a fair number of people that stayed. And when everybody had left that was going to leave, the Russian soldiers, they took off their uniforms. They put down their guns. They locked the door. And then they said... We want to worship with you guys. You see, we're not Russian soldiers after all. But we wanted to worship with people who were not afraid to die for what they believe. And boy, I tell you, they had a revival that day. So you see, um, persecution doesn't always uh, intimidate us. A lot of times it will strengthen us. It will help to make us stronger in the end. So let's read what happens here. It says uh, in verse 3, And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him into prison and delivered him to the four cornions of soldiers to guard him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. And uh, so we see here that Herod, when he saw how popular it was for him to persecute Christians, it motivated him to persecute even more. And so he grabs hold of Peter, arrests him, puts him in prison. He knows he really can't do anything to prison uh, to Peter right now because it's Easter. And because it's Easter, he can't really do anything. But he says, I'm going to put him in prison, and um, I'll probably kill him after Easter. So he's taken to prison, and let's see what happens next. It says, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing in the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, that same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Now I want you to get the picture here. Here, Peter is sleeping. (laughs) Now I tell people, even though I'm a Baptist, I can tell here that Peter was not a Baptist. Because you see, if Peter had been a Baptist, you know what he would have been doing? he would have been pounding on the door, let me out of here, let me out of here. (laughs) But not Peter. In fact, this is apparently the night before Herod intended to kill Peter. But notice Peter is sound asleep. You see, when you're in the will of God, and you know that you've been doing the will of God, then let me tell you something, folks. (laughs) Let me tell you. You're going to have an inner peace the world cannot take away. And that, my friends, is how Peter was able to sleep so soundly in spite of facing almost certain death the next day. He knew that God had control of this situation. He knew that if he wasn't killed, it would give him many more years in which to do the Lord's work, and he knew that even if he was killed, he'd have a home in heaven. (laughs) From Peter's perspective, there was absolutely no way he could lose. No way at all. He had it made either way. Well, let's read on a little bit further and see what happens here. It says, And behold, verse 7, Chapter 12, verse 7, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise, up quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Verse 8, And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals, and And so he did, and he said to him, get thy garment about thee and follow me out. That's in verse 8. Okay, now, I want you to notice something here. God, through the angel, did for Peter what Peter could not do for himself. Peter was in chains, and God caused the chains to fall off. And he allowed the door of the prison to open. So we see here that God did for Peter what Peter could not do for himself. But notice also, it was up to Peter to get up, tie his sandals, get his garment, and go. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. (laughs) You see, there's a powerful lesson here. The powerful lesson is this. God will not do for us what we can do for ourselves. Things like uh, getting up, tying his sandals, putting on his clothes, getting his coat. These were all things that Peter could do himself, and therefore the angel did not do it for him. And also another thing I notice here. Just to show you how soundly Peter was sleeping, the angel had to wake him up. <laughs> the angel had to wake him up. <laughs> Come on, Peter, let's go. Let's get out of here, boy. <laughs> Amen. And then we see in verse 9, and he went out and followed him, and with not until it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision that's uh, verse 9 so uh, (laughs) Peter is glad but on the other hand he's trying to make sure this is not just a vision you know he's trying to make sure this is not just a vision he's trying (laughs) to make sure this is not a dream that he's dreaming Uh, I mean after all I'm sure that there's a lot of people in prison even to this day, who dream about that day when they'll no longer be in prison. So Peter is still trying to decide, is this just a vision that he's having, a dream? Or is it for real? Has he really been released from prison? Uh, And then in verse 10 it says, When they were past the first and second ward, they came to the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Notice here at the end of verse 10, the angel leaves Peter because his services are no longer needed. Now, we get the idea that Peter had been locked inside the inner prison. That's why he had to go through one door, then another door, then they come to the iron gate, and they get out of that. And now he is fully outside. He is fully free from the prison. And here the angel of the Lord departs from him. Once again, the big lesson here is God will only do for ourselves what we need him to do. He will not do for us what we can do for ourselves. You might be praying, well, Lord, now that you've called me into the ministry, help me to get into school so that I can pray, prepare to do your work. Well, the Lord will guide you as to which school he wants you to go to, and if it's his will, you'll be accepted. But then what you do with that is up to you. You know, let's say, for example, you're a young ministerial student, and you're listening to this broadcast, and you write me a letter, and you say, Warren, I want to go to Bible college, but I can't afford it. Can you help me? So let's say I write you out a check, to cover your first year of tuition and fees and now you're going to be in seminary for a year. I have given you a great gift, a gift of great value. But then it's up to you to do something with that opportunity. When God gets you in school, you've got to make up your mind, you know what, I'm going to apply myself, I'm going to study. When all my friends are out having a good night on the town I'm going to be in my dorm room studying, studying, studying and I'm going to pass those tests I uh, (laughs) remember one time I had a professor in college and it was not uncommon for students to say, "Uh, professor we need you to pray for us that we'll pass this test and um, The professor said, you know, really you shouldn't be praying that God will help you pass the test. What you need to do is to pray that God will give you the ability to remember that which you have studied. But now, of course, if you haven't studied it, there's nothing for you to remember, and therefore you're probably not going to do well on the test. God will not take that test for you, and he will not pass that test for you. That is something you have to do yourself. You have to do for yourself that which you can do for yourself you might be on the job at work and you might say Lord please give me a promotion Lord please give me a raise when really your prayer ought to be something like this Lord help me to do every day that I go to work help me to do the best job I can the whole time that I'm there and when you do that The raises will come. The promotions will come. But they're not going to be given to you on a silver platter. You have to do your part to earn them. Amen. God will never do for you what you can do for yourself. Well, let's proceed onward here and see what else happens. And when Peter came to himself, he says, I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel, hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectations of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered everything, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many people were gathered praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came. To hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then they said, It was his angel. Verse 16 But Peter kept knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. That's in verse 16. Now, I come to you with a very interesting question. When God answers your prayer, will you know it? Or when will you know? Or how will you be able to tell that God has answered your prayer? Now, this is one of those instances in the scripture where what we're reading is really quite comical. I mean, here Peter is, he's knocking at the door. He knows that inside they are praying for his release. and So this girl named Rhoda, she recognizes Peter's voice. She tells everybody in the prayer meeting, Peter's at the gate, he's at the door. And they think, well, you know, This girl is mad. She's crazy. She's just imagining things. Or maybe it's just Peter's angels, not Peter. Peter can't be at the door because we're praying for him to get out of prison. Well, what they didn't realize was God had already answered their prayer. Peter had already been delivered from the prison. He was no longer an inmate. He was no longer a prisoner. Here he is knocking at the door. And so finally, when some of the others come to the door, they see for themselves, guess what? Peter, he's at the door. (laughs) He is at the door. And they were so astonished. They were so amazed. They couldn't believe it. Here he was at the door. (laughs) Now, you know... (laughs) Several things come to mind when I read this passage. You know, a lot of times I wonder if we ever find ourselves praying for something that deep down inside we really don't think it's going to happen. We say, okay, God, I need healing. (laughs) But deep down inside, we really don't believe God is going to do it. We know that he can do it. But somehow, in our particular case, we just don't really believe he's going to do it. Or maybe we're praying for a financial need that we have. Now, we know that we serve a great God. We know that there's no reason why God cannot do it. But somehow, we just think in our minds, Lord... I know I'm praying this, but God, I really don't think you could do it. And I imagine in that house that evening, you had a lot of people praying for Peter. Lord, let him out of prison. Now, you see, they knew that he was in maximum security custody. He was in the inner prison. Not only was he locked in a prison within the prison, so to speak, but he was heavily chained. And they knew that from the human perspective, there was no way he could get out of that. And in their minds, they knew it was almost a foregone conclusion that he was going to be killed the next day. But to their amazement, the very thing they were praying for, it was Peter there at the gate. Now, one of the things I want to emphasize as part of the application of this scripture lesson today is the fact that God is more than capable of doing for us that which we want him to do. He is more than capable. Whenever you have a prayer request that you're praying to God, Don't ever think, well, I'm praying this prayer request, but it's impossible. Because you see, nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible with God. Now, sometimes God may, in his infinite wisdom, decide not to give us the answer we're seeking. You'll remember Paul. He prayed, Lord, remove this thorn from my flesh. In fact, Paul says, I prayed three times that this thorn would be removed from my flesh. But the prayer was not answered. Instead, God said, my grace is sufficient for thee.' So God may choose in his infinite wisdom not to grant the request that you're making. But in that case, God has something even bigger and grander in its place that's going to happen. Now one thing I can say for sure is that one of these days when we get to heaven, everybody will be healed. You're not going to find any sick people in heaven. You're not going to find any handicapped people in heaven. You're not going to find any crippled people in heaven. Everybody will be in perfect health in heaven. And, you know, that may be the Lord's will for you. He might decide rather than healing you down here, Why not take you on to heaven and you'll automatically be healed up there? Plus, you'll have the joy of being reunited with Christian loved ones. You'll have the joy of seeing Jesus and Peter and James and Paul and all the others that have gone on before. Ooh wee (laughs) I get excited just thinking about it. I mean, it almost is enough to make me a shouting Baptist. Amen. Well, believe it or not, we're going to end with that passage of Scripture right there. And um, I think what we have read today, it will not only bless us, but it will give us power and strength for the rest of our lives, knowing that God is fully capable of doing anything we ask him to do. And if he doesn't do it, it's because he has something so much better in mind. Well, as usual, if you have a prayer request or a praise to God, the best way to let me know is to email me. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. And if you choose, you could contact me the old-fashioned way. And that's Warren Landis 80 Thrusted Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N eighty thrusted street Apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, zip code 29605. (laughs) That's the snail mail address. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.